Well, welcome to the latest edition of the ASA podcast with me, Chris Keel. So we have a couple questions this week, kind of related. Um, they are questions about the future of the dollar and also looking at cryptocurrencies. And that's sort of been a topic of conversation. It always tends to be. So the first of them is, what's the future of the U.S. dollar with the high rate of money in circulation? There's always a lot of questions about the role of the dollar and what might replace it and is it going to be the world currency going forward? And the answer really is that it always will be the chosen world currency because, frankly, nobody else wants it um, and we don't want it half the time. Being the world currency creates limits. There's not a lot that you can do as far as manipulating your currency. If you're not really the world currency... You can do all kinds of stuff, like lower the value of the currency, you can buy it up by your central bank, you can do all kinds of manipulating, which would end up helping your export sector or discriminating against the import sector. But when you're the global currency, you're really locked into a pattern, because any sort of manipulation that you do throws dozens of countries off, and there's howls of outrage, and, and therefore... Nobody seriously ever wants to challenge for that honor, if you want to put it that way. The Chinese certainly don't, because if they made their currency the world currency, they would instantly see its value rise tremendously, which would hurt their exports dramatically. The Europeans certainly don't want to do it either, for the same reason. The Germans would not want to see the euro get stronger, given their dependence on exports, almost 55% of the German GDP depends on exports, and so they like having the euro less robust, if anything. So the dollar will continue to be a dominant currency. There is a lot of money in circulation, not enough that it's really going to push inflation in a traditional way. The worry when it comes to inflation is that there's so much money in savings that inflation is not really playing its normal limiting game. When you have higher prices, you have sort of a predictable response by the consumer. They see the higher price, they don't want to pay it, or they can't pay it, and as a result, whoever is rising that price has to back off because there's consumer resistance. What you're seeing now is that there's $5.4 trillion in excess savings in the world as a whole, close to two and a half, three trillion in the U.S. alone. So now when somebody encounters that higher price, they grumble and they complain and what an outrage. And then they say, well, yeah, but I've got the money, so I'm going to buy it anyway. You have seen this throughout. I mean, prices have gone up in in just everything you can imagine, lumber and steel and and all kinds of products. Has it really stopped people from buying them? No. People just kind of shrug their shoulders and say, well, yeah, you know, it's gone up, but I've got the money, so I'm going to pay for it. That's been the major impact of the inflation, the money in circulation. There's just a lot of cash. And until that begins to diminish, and it will, as we get through the summer, we already see people's spending patterns accelerate. They're going to spend more on traveling. They're going to be doing more restaurant attendance. I mean, we're going back to normal at a very rapid rate. And as a result, we'll spend like we used to, uh, particularly on things like services. 
That kind of leads us to the second question, which is what to do with cryptocurrencies and what their role is and how they compare to stocks. Cryptocurrencies are like stocks in that they are an investment tool. They're not a tool of exchange. You're never going to get to a point where you can go down to the local gas station and, and buy a Slurpee with cryptocurrency. I mean, it's just, it's not going to be a medium of exchange because nobody's going to want to print it up that way. No one's going to trust its value. I mean, cryptocurrencies radically change from one day to the next, which is what investments do. I mean, the same thing happens with stocks, happens with bonds. Probably the best comparison to cryptocurrencies right now would be things like precious metals or art, things that you know will probably go up, but you also know that they'll probably go down. So the people who get heavily invested are people who can afford to wait for that price to go up and people who can afford to watch it lose value. And you see investors like this all the time. I mean, if you've got billions and billions in a particular investment, well, you're prepared for the ups and downs and you wait it out. You look at it and say, well, you know, gold fell in price, platinum fell in price, diamonds fell, art fell, but it'll come back. And when it does, I'll be ready. The average person is not that flexible. The average person is generally investing for a specific period of time. The majority of the investing that's done in the U.S. now, anyway, is through retirement funds and pension funds and 401ks and all that kind of stuff. And what it means for most people is that's my retirement money. That's the money that I'm going to depend on when I quit work. So it needs to have value when I turn 65. And if it doesn't have value when I turn 65, I'm in trouble. So people are not interested in investing in something that could, by the time they reach 65, completely lose its value. And all of a sudden it's like, huh, I don't have a retirement fund anymore. The market for whatever I held just collapsed. But for people who are looking for kind of not necessarily a quick buck, but an opportunity to make a lot of money fast. You get into things like cryptocurrency or even into certain categories of stocks. I mean, there's all kinds of different stocks. You've got those that are like steady performers that you basically hold for a long period of time. Well, then you've got the more volatile stocks that can make you a lot of money or lose you a lot of money. So it's it really depends on your tolerance for risk. Personally, when it comes to my sort of tolerance for risk, crypto is a little too rich for me. Um, I don't have that kind of money. Stocks are about as risky as I want to be. And to be honest, the older I get, the more I like bonds. <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah, I know what I'm getting with this. It's going to return at the price I think it's going to return. But cryptocurrency is legitimate. It is certainly being used in a lot of different contexts, like most investments are. And now you're also seeing governments issue what amount to digital currencies, which isn't a replacement for the currencies they have. It's just another way of issuing it and tabulating it. I mean, the reality is, is that the vast majority of monetary exchanges are not physical. You know, we're not exchanging paper money or coin money for anything. It's all being done electronically. It's all being processed electronically. Crypto is kind of a an extension. Its biggest contribution really has been to 
legitimize and, and help develop blockchain technology. So with that, I think we'll quit for this week. Um, next week, as you are aware, is a webinar week. So we'll get back to that format. And at this point, I'm kind of looking at a very forward-looking webinar. I want to look at what's going on this summer, what kind of inflation issues we're going to be dealing with by the end of the year, because we're in a transition phase again. We're now transitioning from a really, really high growth into something a little less robust, but still strong. And the issue is going to be who's going to benefit from that and what are the risks. So we'll be talking more about that next week. Thanks for listening.